the blood. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, the spirit of resurrection alive on the inside of us every day. We thank you, Lord. Help us not to take things for granted, Lord, but to be a grateful people. Lord, your word says to give thanks in all things, for this is your will for us in Christ Jesus. No matter what it is, we give thanks this morning. No matter where we are, no matter what it looks like with the natural eyes, we give thanks. Lift up thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Lift up thanksgiving in your heart. It changes the entire atmosphere when we give thanks, when we offer up thanksgiving to Him. We thank you, Lord. Yes. Woo! <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Feels good to be thankful. <laughs> it's righteous to be thankful. Yes. Even in darkness, even in a place of where you can't really understand what's happening to you, you can be thankful. Yes. You can understand that it's there to teach you. Yes. It's there to teach you who God is. That's right. Woo! And the way to walk like He walks, and the way to walk in His nature. So today, Father, we just thank you for these circumstances. We thank you, God. And we reach out and touch you today. We reach out and touch you in worship. We reach out and touch you. We touch you, we touch you, we touch you, we touch you. We touch you, we rejoice because we touch you. We're alive because we touch you, Lord. Just reach out and touch him right now. Just touch him right now with your heart. Just touch. Woo! <laughs> Just touch. <laughs> we love you, Jesus. We love you so much. Everything that we get, everything, every good love, every lovey feeling comes because of your cross and because of what you've done. Everything that we feel is because of your blood. Everything that we experience in the spirit of God is because of your blood. We're thankful, God. Make us burn with fire today. <laughs> Woo! Spirit. 
dripping your oil. Woo! Yeah, but anyway, I, I just met Ron on uh, Friday, and he's visiting in the area, and uh, he, the Lord's given him a great revelation on the accuser of the brethren. You know, the accuser of the brethren stands before our God day and night, always accusing the brethren. Now, now he's the accuser, but his main weapon are the words of the church, believers that give him ammunition, and, uh, and ourselves. Sometimes we are our own worst enemy. We accuse ourselves. We judge ourselves. And, uh, but he has such a revelation, and I wanted him to come and share. I know you can't do much in just 10 minutes, but give us a foundation, and then lead us in prayer, breaking off accusations against us. Because those things do hold you down. They can, and uh, if you judge someone, then you're, obviously, that'll hold you down, because he said, with the measure by which you judge, you will be judged. So we're going to get rid of some stuff today. Is that Okay. And just say, Lord, cleanse us, forgive us. Whatever you can do in 10 minutes, God. And he's going to do a lot. And, but I believe that. So no pressure on you. Just get us free of everything that we've ever had from birth and before birth. <laughs> you know, Ron Horner, give him a hand. God bless him. I'm glad there's no pressure, aren't you? I did tell Pastor David that I would, I would tell you, I would do what uh, Elizabeth Taylor told her husband's said, I won't keep you very long, okay? So, uh, with that in mind, uh, turn to, if you've got your Bibles, and if you can throw this up in the wall, I don't know if you can, Amos chapter 3, verse 11. There's an interesting verse right there, and it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, an adversary shall be all around you. He shall sap your strength from you, and your palaces will be plundered. That's good news, huh? Well, not really, is it? However, when we understand that the whole purpose of accusations are to wear you out. Anybody ever awakened in the morning and you just had these, these negative things running through your head? People had said stuff about you or about what you're doing, about your ministry, etc. And they were just, it was just beating your brains out. Well, the whole purpose of an accusation is to wear you out. And if it can have the opportunity to wear you out, it will, because what happens, your strength goes from you, because your joy is gone, because you're contemplating the accusation. Isaiah 26 tells us that uh, he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him, right? So understand, if you're not in peace, then guess where your mind is? It's not stayed on him. It's stayed on something else. For example, ladies, anybody who's a mother, all the mothers, raise your hand. Okay? Have you ever heard, you're not a good mom? Or you'll never be able to be a good mom, or a mom like so-and-so. Right? You've heard that. That was an accusation. An accusation in the courts of heaven is a charge against you. And when you understand that you cannot ignore accusations, you have to answer them, then there's a solution for getting over the accusation. The accusations are designed to build a scaffold, so to speak, around your life to lock you in and keep you from going where you're supposed to go. The whole purpose of the enemy giving that one lie is he'll bring the next lie behind it. For dads, he'll say, you're not a good dad. Your dad wasn't a good dad. You'll not be a good dad either. 
Anybody, don't have to raise your hands, but you've heard that, right? Because we're learning how to be dads. And sometimes we didn't have very good examples. But Jesus gave us a solution for that. How many like what Jesus, when he gives you a solution, uh, then you have a better chance of winning, right? Okay. How many like when somebody tells a, a lie about you? Nobody's raising their hand, Pastor. Of course, I guess that's good. Pardon me a second. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, um, Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Because that accusation had to be dealt with. So what is our, Jesus is giving us the solution here. How many like agreeing with somebody who's lying about you? Nobody in the room probably. But you know what it does? It positions us for humility. And if we're positioned for humility, then we can bring change in ourselves and in the situation. Arrogance will never bring change to a situation. It will make it worse. If you don't believe that, just watch the politicians over the next few months as they're jockeying for, for, for position. Arrogance is going to just try to go out the roof with some of them because they think they're God's gift to everybody. Okay? But when, Matthew, when Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 5 that we are to agree with our adversary quickly while we're on the way, then that tells us there's a step to freedom inside of that. And if we don't dismantle those accusations, there's a thing in, in court called a default judgment, which means if you don't show up, the other guy wins. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've read about those. The trouble is that we've had all these accusations against us, but we've never gone to court to dismantle the accusations, so the enemy won a default judgment against you, against your life, against your ministry, and you wondered what happened because you didn't even know there was a court to go to. It's helpful to know that there's a court, right? Okay. Well, there's, I was asking the Lord one time when he, he, I heard the phrase, courts of heaven, and he said, study that. So I did. I came up with 3,500 verses the first round. Okay. I studied a little bit more. 4,300 verses. It sounds significant, doesn't it? Then I did some more studying, and there are over 5,000 verses related to the courts of heaven, but we've not known to look for them, and therefore we haven't had the benefit of all that's in there about them. Jesus wants you free from every accusation. Uh, have there ever been any accusations against this body of believers here? Uh, anybody heard, any, has anybody ever heard one here? Raise your hand if you have. Okay. Those accusations, unless they're dismantled, will stand in the courts of heaven because the judge can only rule on the evidence that's presented. And if you haven't shown up for court, guess what? He's winning. However, Jesus gave a solution for us in that Matthew 5, agree with your adversary quickly. So everybody hold up your one finger. Point number one, agree with the adversary. You don't have to like it, but you can't agree with it because 
The second step is we're going to confess it as sin. Because if you had done it, it would be sin, right? How many know the, the devil is not accusing you of nice stuff? It's usually ugly stuff, bad stuff, disheartening stuff, condemning stuff. Number three, after you've confessed it, because in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, if we agree with what God says about our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us, correct? But we need to do one step further. We need to repent of our involvement in whatever that accusation was because many times those accusations have a seed of truth. We, we've actually given ammunition. How many have ever said a bad thing about your kids? Be honest. How many kids have said bad things about your parents? That's the rest of us. Okay. Those things that you said became accusations in the courts of heaven against the person against whom they were spoken. And because we never addressed it, it's still sitting up there with a default judgment, waiting on somebody to dismantle the accusation by agreeing with the adversary, confessing it as sin, and repenting of it. And then step number four is getting the blood of Jesus applied to your situation. Because the blood of Jesus answers every, every accusation. The book of Hebrews is loaded with how it answers our sin, covers our sin. And God wants us free from our stuff. He wants his church to walk in freedom. Uh, I did a seminar on the courts of heaven in Spartanburg back in November. And the pastor of the church, he, he, he had never, never understood the power of accusation. Because, for example, when I asked the parents, if you said bad stuff about your kid, what the devil is saying, even his mama says this about him. So it must be true. Even his daddy says this about him, it must be true. Can you imagine that happening in a courtroom? The words that we speak provide ammunition to the enemy. Well, this pastor said, I was just ignoring the accusations, thinking they weren't bothering me. But he said they were bothering my ministry. And he began to deal with the accusations and dismantle them. They've had a release of the Holy Spirit in that place. Since that time, he said, it's ongoing. More and more freedom, more and more stuff is happening because they're dealing with the accusations and shutting those things down. Because if you don't answer the accusation, it will stand. Okay? Jesus tells us again, uh, in Matthew, he said, Your, the words that you speak, they become, <clears throat> well, we're supposed to, we're going to give an account for every idle word. An idle word is an unemployed word, a word without real purpose. And he said, by your words, you're going to be justified or condemned. So everything that you've said, every word that you speak against somebody, especially when you say things out of frustration, those things destroy people. They set them up for failure. And so we, as a people, we need to realize that in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, the world will respond to a church that is repentant. They cannot respond to a church that is not repentant. So as we repent for what we have cooperated with, then we can give God some room to move and change some things. Uh, every parent who uh, has ever heard, you are not a good parent, you'll never succeed as a parent, or your kid's messed up, 
and he tried to beat your brains out because of your parenting skills. Stand to your feet. Okay? Every parent, because in some point, somewhere along the way, the enemy is likely beating you up over your parenting skills or the supposed lack thereof. Would you agree with that? So our first step is, Father, we come. I've already gone in, uh, and done preparatory work within the courts. Okay, so we're simply just standing as a people. We're saying, Father, I come in the name of Jesus. I agree with the adversary. I don't like what he said, but I agree with it. And it is sin. And I confess that as sin. And I repent of my parenting, my lack of parenting skills and not relying on you to be my father to teach me how to parent. Can you agree with that? We need God to release us from our from the things that have been holding us back. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, every time we've been a bad parent, every time we've said things against our children that have uh, caused harm to them, we ask you in Jesus' name to release us and release them from the sin of that. Father, I forgive my parents for the things they said against me. I release them. I ask in the name of Jesus that the blood of Jesus be applied to that sin, to my sin. And so as a people, we can say, Lord, you are our father and the one who teaches us how to be a father. Father, help us to identify the accusations of the enemy. Because when we identify those accusations, we are unveiling his strategy against us. Teach us how to unveil those strategies, Father. Father, grant your people here a release of revelation and understanding of how to deal with the adversary and the accusations. Father, the accusation against this house that it's a bunch of stiff-necked and, and prideful people. Father, we agree with the adversary and we confess that as sin, Father. We ask in the name of Jesus that you would forgive us for our sin. We repent for our hard-heartedness, for our stiff-neckedness, for our stubbornness, for our self-willedness, Father. Father, we repent for the pride and the self-righteousness that we have carried. Father, we ask as a, as a people that you would forgive us for that sin. We confess it as sin before you. We repent of that sin, Father. Father, by the name of Jesus, we ask that the blood of Jesus be applied and that that, that accusation would be completely annihilated. That freedom would come to your people that we would no longer be bound by the accusation that they are a bunch of self-righteous, self-willed people. God, unveil to us the things that we need to repent of. Uh, unveil to us, sir, the accusation, uh, accusations that have held us back. Every accusation. Every accusation. Father, where there have been accusations against uh, these people that they do not maintain their word. Father, every time we failed you in that, Father, we agree with the adversary. We, we confess that as sin. Yes, Lord. We ask you in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. We repent of it. We ask you to forgive us yes. and cleanse that accusation from our lives. Every, in every instance where we have not been men and women of our word, every time when we've reneged on an agreement, every time when we've broken a covenant, broken a contract, Father, every time we wanted to cheat the IRS or the state taxes or anybody else, Father, deal with our sin, Lord. Deal with our sin, Father. And set us free, we ask you. 
Erase those sins from our lives, Father. We confess them as sin, we repent of them, and we apply your blood in Jesus' mighty name. Freedom come. Freedom come. Father, for every time that we have spoken things against our brothers and sisters that have empowered the enemy and given him ammunition, as Pastor David mentioned, the church has been the worst about it. Father, where we've been gossipers, that gossip is sin, Father. And we confess it is sin. Your word tells us that it is sin. And Father, we repent of the gossiping, the wagging tongues, the loose lips. And we ask in the name of Jesus that you would forgive us, sir. We repent of our gossiping. Cleanse us, sir, by the blood of Jesus. In every way, cleanse us, sir. Father, we have spoken against our government. We have spoken things against the Supreme Court. We have expectations of them that are not of, of goodness and righteousness. And Father, we have made declarations that have held them in bondage. And Father, we, re we confess that as sin. We agree with the adversary that we have been a rebellious people toward our own government. And we ask you in Jesus' name to forgive us for our sins, sir. We repent of our rebellion concerning our government. For raising our voice against those that you placed in leadership, Lord. Lord, throughout history there were men and women placed in leadership that the folks didn't like. But that did not give them the right to speak against them and curse them. Father, we need those curses erased from the Supreme Court. From every one of them. From John Roberts and uh, Sonia Sotomayor and, and all the others that are involved, Father. We, we need your mercy extended toward your church as we have spoken against them. And Father, we confess that as sin and we repent of it, sir. And we ask the blood of Jesus be applied. Blood of Jesus be applied. Help us examine ourselves so that we own up to what we have done. Make us a repentant people, sir. A repentant people. In Jesus' name. Do you know what is going to happen on or this April, or April 30th, this Thursday, is the uh, Washington's inauguration, the anniversary of George Washington's inauguration. And you know where it happened, don't you? It was in New York City, right there in the shadow of 9-11. Most of you have read the books, and you know about St. Paul's Chapel, where Washington dedicated our nation to the Lord on April 30th, 1789. And so this April 30th, Thursday, we're going to come back and we're going to remind God that our nation was dedicated to the Lord. And we're going to pray in, in accordance to that, but... But it's really a miracle. You've read the story of how the buildings around that chapel were destroyed, but not the chapel that God preserved supernaturally. And then what you may not know is George Washington, if all these guys are correct, he had this vision of America. He, it was a number of days later, but it was recorded about how we would go through three great conflicts, and the last one would be the worst of them all, and we would be invaded. But he saw people that would cry out to God and that God would hear and God would answer. 
and there would be a time of great deliverance. And if I remember right, it's something about how those liberty bells would ring again that rang so many years ago. And I want you to know it is real important that we enter into a season of prayer for our nation. I mean, it's not just an option. It is absolutely required. And if we don't do it, we're going to have to stand before God and give an account. Now, last week, I, I shared a scripture. I think I said it was Ezekiel 34. It actually was Ezekiel chapter 9 in verse 4. And, and listen to what the Lord says. This is the challenge. And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it. And we talked about that. We're going to get one of the other marks in this hour. I want the first one, a mark of an intercessor, those who cry out for the sins of the land. And they're not just content to let, you know, whatever happen, but they're seeking God, and they're saying, God, intervene, have mercy. Lord, we cry out to you, you're our only hope. We make our appeal to heaven. But look what happens to those who don't do that. That's what I didn't read. Here's the rest of the story. Verse 5, to the others, he said in my hearing, go after him through the city and kill them. Do not let your eyes spare nor have any pity. Utterly slay old and young men, maidens, and little children and women. But do not come near anyone on whom is the mark. And then he says, and begin at my sanctuary. We're living in a very serious time. It's not just, you know, case of uh, whatever it is. I mean, this is not normal. How many you know that? And so we want to be on the, the winning side. Light wins. And we talked about that last week. In this battle between light and darkness, when light shows up. But we got to show up. We were praying this morning, and I felt like God was... You know, we pray for all the churches in America where the gospel's being preached. And I felt like in, in all the chaos, all the, the approaching darkness, there will be those pockets, those pillars of righteousness in the earth. Little lighthouses that stand up and proclaim the, the gospel with great power and authority. And God is going to bear witness with his word. How many of you know that? There are going to be signs and wonders following the preaching of the word. And I just, I, all during worship, I just said, oh God, if there's ever been an hour, I want to go for it. This is the hour. This is the hour. This is not a time to retreat. Not a time to go back into comfortable Christianity. In fact, where do we even get that term, Ron? There's no such a thing as comfortable Christianity while you're on the earth. Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have a few troubles along the way. But nevertheless, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. We're in the world, but we're not of it. And that's the difference. The Lord, he didn't pray, Father, take them out of the world. I mean, there'll come a time for that. Even so, come Lord Jesus. I appreciate that prayer right now a whole lot more than, than what I used to. But I have a feeling in a few years from now, I'm going to appreciate that prayer a lot more. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The light's going to come on as to why we were to pray that. You're going to mean it. Even so, Come, Lord Jesus. But he's raising up a people now that are praying that. And the Lord wants to come. He's coming. He is coming. Say he's coming. In a mighty way. And he's coming right like this. I'm telling you, the foundation of any revival is repentance. And I just want to take a few moments as we close out. Then we're going to have communion. We forgot the last few weeks. I'm glad we're not in bondage to it. But it is a good practice to get into. 
Because there's healing in communion. And there's, there's something we're to do in remembrance of him. But I want to just, just basically just cover, why do we repent? What's the biblical basis of repentance? Well, look at uh, Acts chapter 3 and verse 18. And let me read some scripture. Then I'm going to name about, I don't know, six or seven, eight things real quickly. And uh, then, oh God, I just want him to keep coming. I just want more of his presence. How many of you want more? Man, wouldn't it be awesome if the day comes in America where you, first of all, you wouldn't dare go to a church if you had any sin in your life. If you were a church member, now, the lost should run, you know, for salvation. But, I mean, wouldn't it be awesome if the Ananias and Sapphires would just, I mean, be fearful to walk in. There really was like a word written over the doors of churches. Warning, don't enter if you're a hypocrite. You know, wouldn't that be awesome? But on the other hand, wouldn't it be awesome if you entered in and there was a spirit of repentance and people were getting right with God and the altars were filled with people just crying out to him. Well, let me show you something. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 18, you remember, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he is thus fulfilled. Say he has fulfilled. And so he did fulfill all the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. But there's more to be fulfilled. Say there's more. There's more for our nation. There's more for your family. There's more for you. There have been prophecies spoken over your life, over my life. And I'm, I'm going to go out swinging. I want to see everything fulfilled that God had intended for me. And you ought to be the same. We're not going to rest with just doing half of what he's called us to. We are his workmanship. We're created for good works, works that he planned beforehand that we should walk in them. So here's the key. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing, say refreshing, revival, awakening. I mean, just his presence, because it goes on and says that uh, times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send, here he is, Jesus who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive. Until how long? Heaven's going to retain him until we're in a mess. No, until the restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of how many of them? All the holy prophets for how long? Since the world began. So that means all the way back, at least into the, the beginning of the church, because all the Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled in Christ, right? Every to the T, those messianic prophecies of his coming the first time. We know he's coming a second time, and there are many prophecies about that that haven't been fulfilled. But there are also prophecies about you, about me, about Moravian Falls. Somebody's got to go to war until every word that God has spoken over this place is fulfilled. I mean, anybody can come around and hang around a while and then drop out and then accuse those who hang behind, you know, as being less than what God's called them to be. We learn from Ron, just agree with them. We are less than what we're called to be. But the story's not over yet. It's just half been told. And, and we believe in thus saith the Lord. Whatever's been written about us, we believe. And so somebody's got to stand up and agree with heaven. Let whatever's done on earth, let it be done. 
So let's just read the rest of it, then I can share the points. In verse, uh, well, let's just stop right there. We can go on and read about Moses. We'll do that at a different time. So what is revival? Here's some things about it. Number one, it's the message Jesus came to preach. People, I've heard people say, man, you ought to preach like Jesus preached. You know how he came preaching? Repent. That's what he said. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, if you preach that, you're preaching like Jesus preached. And uh, because that's the message of the kingdom. And then he also, it's the only message that will change the heart of men and women. It's, it's the only thing. The word means to change. Change direction, but it also means to think differently about something. To reconsider. Nineveh, a wicked city. It was great in its size. It also was great in its wickedness. And if there's been any city that God would have been justified in judging, it would have been Nineveh. Now, he did judge Nineveh later. But there was a time when Jonah preached. And what happened? The king, listen, the king took notice. Somebody, something happened. You know, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. That king listened up to the preaching of Jonah. And what did he do? He repented. And he led the whole nation to repent. And God spared. In fact, the king said something about, who knows if God will not relent and not judge. And that's exactly that what happened. And you read about the wickedness in Nineveh. I'm telling you, there are things going on in America, but there was a lot going on in Nineveh. And uh, God had mercy. And then number three, repentance is a gift. Don't ever forget that. Listen, if, there's, if God brings a spirit of repentance... It is because of God's graciousness. It is a gift. And I want that gift to remain as long as possible. I don't want to turn it away. I don't want to close the door. Repentance is a gift. Then fourthly, repentance is the goodness of God. It is the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. It's actually almost too good to be true. Donald Young, you guys know Donald. He's a friend he shared this vision that he had. Actually, it was a dream. He and his wife were with me recently in the office, and I, we were t just sharing about the Lord. And, and Donald said, David, I, I had a dream impact my life like no other dream. Let me hear it. He said, in the dream, we were taking a test. It was like the test of life, my wife and I. And we gave the test to the Lord. And the Lord took a big red pen, and it's like he didn't stop marking and then he, he showed it to us. He said, we missed everything. Every single answer on the test, we missed. And, we, and I thought, oh, woe is me. You know, this is not good. I missed everything. And then the Lord at the bottom wrote with a big red pen, passed, and gave it to them. He said it blew him away. He said, God, it doesn't make sense. I failed you. And the Lord looked at him and said, I want you to know my blood covers a multitude of sins there's nothing greater than my blood you run to his blood that's why we that's why he died there is no other antidote it never will be about our righteousness wow we finally got it right we finally did it right i finally know everything i need to know listen if you get there tell me how you did it the only way i know is through the cross it's through the blood of jesus it's righteousness he is my righteousness he is my holiness and I'm going to run after him as long as I live. And then it's the message that precedes forgiveness. 
In fact, there is no such of a thing as forgiveness without repentance. But it's what, it, what opens the door to the blood of Jesus. I don't know. A nation will be judged unless it comes to repentance. That's the only other key. The only way is repentance. And then it leads to genuine revival. Got to tell you this quick story, Ron. You'll appreciate it. I think you were a former Baptist, weren't you? Back in our early days, he and I, that's why I can bear witness with him. I know his journey. And I know what the Holy Spirit did to get our attention. Did you get the left foot of fellowship too? No. Did you kind of do that? And, you know, that, that, that stuff happens. Anyway, it's just part of the journey. But we were in Mississippi. But I got to back up. It was after I was Rick Joyner's ministry assistant. And we lived up, in, at, uh, up at Heritage when it was closed. And I was Rick Joyner's assistant. And I had a dream about us going to another place. And I remember telling Rick, Rick, I got to go. Where are you going? Calvary Baptist Church in Columbia, Mississippi. He looked at me like I lost my mind. I'll never forget that. And I would have had I not had a dream about that. But I knew I was to go. So we went and pastored this church. Well, I don't know if you know about Mississippi or not, but there's still a little bit of remnant of racism there. Or at least there was then. And uh, because I remember hearing a story of a church not far from our church where a black couple showed up on a Sunday morning and one of the deacons went downstairs and turned off all the lights. Everybody left the church except the black couple and the pastor. And he was so apologetic. He, you know, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. And Monday, he got a, a letter of forced resignation. And I remember hearing that. And it was Race Relations Sunday. And I'm preaching in this city. Now, I came from Morningstar. And I... I remember some of the things that Rick would teach on. And, and uh, so I was going to preach that Sunday on the sin of racism. And I, I put it up on the, the marquee. This Sunday, Pastor White, the sin of racism. The uh, associational guy comes to my office, knocks on the door, walks in. He says, young man, I would advise you not to preach on that subject. If you do, you're liable to get cut. That's what he said, isn't it? He said, I thought, what did he mean by cut? Because I, I think, you know, I'm a coach, so I'm thinking, am I going to get cut from the team? What are you talking about? And uh, I think he meant cut. You know what I mean? And uh, I didn't know. I mean, there were still pockets of the Klan around there in those days. And so anyway, I, it's like I had a flashback to our Friday night meetings at Morningstar. And I heard Rick say, that scripture. He says, if I seek to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. And I heard that voice on my mind. And I looked right at that guy and I said, listen, I appreciate your visiting me today in my office. But if I seek to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. I've got to preach and I'm going to do it. I'm not saying there wasn't a few fear, trembling that week, but I stayed the course. At the end of that message, a man, one of the older men in the congregation, I was told later he was probably the last one they expected to respond to the invitation on repenting for racism. That man walked down the aisle and repented. And I'm telling you, one act of repentance can open the floodgate of God's glory. And then all of a sudden, we had, a, uh, uh, we had heaven's gates, hell's flames. And uh, we were going to do that, that, uh, that play. And that's, I've told you about the revival and all the things that broke out. But we had to pass this resolution that we would let black folks in our church in Mississippi. 
And after he walked down the aisle, it was, it was okay. There was an open door. So we did that. The first young man that was saved was a young black man, a young black boy who ran the lights at Heaven's Gates Hell's Flame. He was the first one baptized, first black person ever baptized in that church, maybe in South Mississippi in a, in a white church. You know what I'm talking about. But it opened the door, and over a three-week period, over 1,200 people came forward to give their life to Jesus Christ over those next three weeks. The floodgates opened. Revival broke out. They ran articles in the newspaper. Revival has come to Columbia. And they even talked about it on the Hattiesburg television station. They put it in Charisma. Charisma wanted to interview me. Now, we were going to Pensacola in those days, running back and forth, sneaking down there, you know what I mean? Trying to see what God was doing in Pensacola. But it was glory. One act of repentance can open up the floodgates of revival. God let it happen again in America. And then it makes a way for the Lord's presence. And the presence of the Lord, you look it up in the Greek, it speaks of his face, the face of the Lord. We want to see his face, not just his hand, but his face. And then it's the key that brings healing to the land. Ron spoke about it. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people which are called by my name humble themselves, pray, Seek my face, and then do what? Turn from the homosexuals' wicked ways. No, turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven. Forgive their sin and heal their land. Healing of our land is not a very difficult thing to our God. The problem is us. God, we humble ourselves. We repent, and we turn to you, and then we'll see what God does when he shows up. And then the purpose is restoration. The restoration of all things spoken of by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. So just think about it. All the promises over Moravian Falls. All the promises over you, your family, your son, your daughter. Listen, when God shows up, when his presence rolls in, those promises begin to break out. They begin to come forth. Unanswered prayers all of a sudden get answered. Things that you gave up on, you'll find God never gave up on. And there'll be breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough when the spirit of revival shows up. And we want him. We've got to go after him. There's restoration. God doesn't want those words to return void. He said, my word will never return void that goes forth out of my mouth. And that's what we're contending for. The restoration of all the promises, all the prophecies, Spoken since the world began. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Man, we got to contend for it. Somebody's got to go to bat. Somebody's got to pay the price. And I have a feeling it's going to be a great price. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it to see the Lord's kingdom come and his will be done. And then in the revelation, it, it also opens a door to the overcomers. What's the message in revelation? The end time church. Repent often and to those that overcome. And then I heard you say the other day, and I wrote it down. You don't mind, do you? It said, repentance positions the church for impact. It gets us ready to have impact. You remember saying that? Oh, you don't? Well, you did. Now you can add it to your notes. But I know I heard you. Although that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes people hear things that I never thought about saying. But the Holy Spirit said it. The Spirit said it. We want to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. And I just, I want to honor the Lord for what happened here last week. But God, I, we want to 
remain. We want that gift to remain. And we want the, that repentance to break out all across America, all across the land. I'm telling you, it's not too late. It's not over. It is not over. There are many people saying it's over for America. Well, I don't believe the fat lady has sung yet. That's a sports term, guys. But I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up on the next generation. I'm going to stand the course, stay the course, and believe that my God is greater. My God is stronger. My God can do. Those things that are impossible with man are still possible with my God. And they're possible with your God. Listen, our children who may be temporarily sidetracked, they're only temporarily sidetracked. i got to get the language right. Okay? The, the truth is, they're on the right track. God's going to redeem them. God's Word, He hears our cries. He hears our prayers of an interceding mom and dad. And we get free of all those accusations. We can have more authority. But God, thank you for the spirit of repentance. And Lord, we ask you to let it come. Let all over our nation, God. Father, we pray for the Baptist churches. We pray for the Methodist churches, Presbyterians. Oh, God, thank you for the fires of, of a great awakening that erupted through many of those Presbyterians in those days. And God, we ask you to relight the flame. Relight the flame. And Lord, let us be a part. God, everybody that visits this building, let them catch fire and then go back to their homes and spill out just like Jenny and, J and JT and Josh were singing about earlier. God, we want to spill out. We, wanna, we want that fragrance of the Lord to break out across the land. And God, we thank you. You are a God of revival, but you're a God that begins with repentance. God, forgive us of our sin, but Lord, we cry out to you to heal this land. Let there be a testimony one more time that our God really is the God who rules and reigns over all the earth and is alive in the midst of the church of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you. We are a lighthouse. We are the pillar and the support of the truth. And we yield to you now, and we thank you, Father, in Jesus' strong name and everybody that agrees. Amen. Say amen. amen and amen. I got it out. Sometimes you just got to get it out, you know what I mean? It's like it's inside there. And you, if I went home without getting it out, I would I'd die. It's like a word. Anybody don't know Jesus before we have communion? You say, man, I want to be saved. I'm looking around at I, most folks I know. Everybody know Jesus? Anybody say, I don't know if I know him. Would you pray for me? Anybody maybe watching by the web stream? Feel like we, we need to every time make a way. If you're watching by the web stream, you don't know Jesus, we're going to pray with you out loud. This is your day of salvation. This is the hour that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I believe that with all my heart, that God is moving among our nation and the nations. So you guys join me and just have a party. It's okay. But hey, let's pray out loud for someone that's watching. Just, hey, we're going to lead you in prayer, but you mean it from the depths of your heart. Say, dear God, I need Jesus. I believe he is the son of God, that he lived and then he died. And then he rose from the dead. And I ask you to forgive me. I'm a sinner. I failed God. But thank you that Jesus died and rose again. And now I confess him as my Lord. I receive him into my heart. 
I turn from my sin. And I say, yes, Lord. I make you my Savior and my Lord. From this moment on, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And set my soul ablaze to live for you and to have impact in this world. In Jesus' strong name, amen. Amen.